0: This morning's scripture reading is from Matthew 8, 5 through 12, if uh, you'd like to read along. That's Matthew 8, 5 through 12. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, I tell you, many will come from the east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, into that place will be weeping and gnashing uh, gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. And this morning, it is my distinct honor to uh, introduce Bruce Martin, who will be speaking today in the absence of Jeff, who is on vacation. Bruce?
1: Go on. Don't stop there. <laughs> don't tempt me. Oh, please. <laughs> Never known Lauren to be at a loss of words like that, man. It's good to be here. Good morning, Bethany. Good morning. Man, I know a lot of your faces, and there's a lot of your faces that I don't know, and that's, that's a good thing. I'm glad to hear, I'm glad to see that. Life is continuing to happen here at Bethany. Um, I'm going to talk about trouble this morning. It's not a happy thought. Uh, I'm not talking about the the minor little speed bumps in life. You know, yesterday I was wrestling with a whole blackberry bush in my neighbor's yard that had taken things over, and I kind of came up on the losing side of that. Trouble, but I'm not talking about that kind of trouble. When I look at my brother Steve over here, I think of trouble. Do <laughs> you guys know Steve? Steve Watkins. Over the last, oh, 10 or 12 weeks, give or take, I've been sorting through a lot of old documents that, that, uh, used to, that we've been trailing around with the district for years. And Steve, your name came up a lot. And it, and it seemed to come up in, in context where there were some pretty big challenges. Uh, you were there at the inception of, of the Northern Mountain District when the Pacific Northwest District kind of sh- shifted into two districts, and there were some unusual challenges in that season. And uh, there were some heated dialogues and challenges and whatever that took place, but this brother here has... Just, you know, I'm always looking for people like you, Steve, because at 62, I haven't got it figured out yet. And, and I need the picture of what it looks like to continue to lean into the life that is really the life. So your, your life has made an impact on mine. Not only in those years as I, as I read you know, being in the trenches and some really developmental stuff, but even in later years as you've continued to center down on what it means to be faithful in every season of life. So I'm I'm grateful for your example. I, I never thought it would be this hard when I was 30 years old to keep my head in this thing called faith. You know, I've, I've joked with some of you before, I'm, I struggle honestly with the The siren called a Margaritaville. Anybody else have that going on in their heads? Yeah, yeah. there's darkness there. (laughs) But you know, my heart in leading the district is just to say what happens here in this hour is critically important to us as a church time of encouragement, time to be together, time to praise, time to connect with one another, all the ministry to kids that happens. uh, All of it's critically important, but it's not the thing. And that's what we have been kind of deluded into thinking, that this is the thing, and it's not the thing. It's not the thing. It's not the thing. This is the thing that helps us prepare for the thing that is really the thing. Does that make sense? Jesus said in Matthew 28, Go out into the world and do what? All right. Make disciples was the deal. And, and he wasn't confusing. He, the people that he spoke to had seen and experienced the new way of living that he was laying out. And, and he was inviting these people who had discovered life to now, as they go, to impart that life. How? Well, in a million different ways. Just however the circumstance comes up. This thing that we're talking about this morning turns out to be one of the most... Uh, important universal connecting points that we have as human beings in the culture of the Pacific Northwest, and more specifically in Canby, Oregon, it's trouble. The thing that human beings all have in common is that we all struggle in a lot of different ways, and it's not just limited to one season of life. And it's not only relegated to people who struggle with sound decision making it's across all of us and if you have not struggled then the operative word for you is yet we barter with God we hope that it won't happen we try to get our lives in order we try to make good decisions We do the best that we have with the tools that we have been given, and a lot of that is for the purpose of avoiding the dark night of the soul, the trouble that inevitably comes upon every human being. And I think one of the things that we're guilty of in the church is casting an image to the culture at large that we don't struggle that we don't struggle. Lauren read that passage from Matthew chapter 8 this morning from the English Standard Version. I want to read it from Eugene Peterson's translation entitled The Message, because it just, it just comes to life in a different way for me. So can I read that again? If, if you have the message, follow along. If not, it's a great story, and you'll be able to to just grab the anchor points in this story and, and, and connect. As Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a Roman Catholic came up in a panic. This is not a casual conversation, right? One of the things that happens to us when we get into those circumstances that are beyond our capacity to cope is that anxiety and frustration... Sometimes panic dawns on us. This Roman captain came up in a panic and said, Master, my servant is sick. He can't walk. He's in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. Oh, no, said the captain. I don't want to put you to all that trouble. You just give the order and my servant will be fine. Look, I'm a man who takes orders and gives orders. I tell the one soldier, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come here, and he comes. To my slave, I say, do this, and he does it. Taken aback, Jesus said, I've yet to come across this kind of simple trust in Israel. The very people who are supposed to know all about God and how he works. This man is the vanguard. He's the point of the spear of many outsiders who will soon be coming from all directions, streaming in from the east, pouring in from the west, sitting down at God's kingdom banquet table alongside of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Then, those who grew up in the faith that had no faith will find themselves out in the cold, outsiders to grace, and wondering, what happened? There's a principle that we all understand. It's implicit in a lot of texts and stories in the Bible, but I, I want to name it as we get started this morning. Okay, And, and what I want to say is there is a difference between things that are true and bringing something to the truth. Do you know what I mean? You get a severe diagnosis, or somebody that you love gets a severe diagnosis. It's true. You're wise not to ignore it or not to live in denial about the reality of this thing. And your doctor, your caretaker, gives you a course of treatment And you're wise to follow that course of treatment because he or she has been trained in the specific nature of your struggle. Or you notice in your life a growing sense of resentment and frustration and anger about a relationship struggle that is just, like, going on too long. And you find yourself increasingly cornered by circumstances that seem difficult to understand and even more difficult to undo and untangle. You're wise to look at it and to acknowledge it and to name it See, as human beings, one of the things that we are really, really good at is living in denial. One of the things that we are really, really good at is convincing ourselves that things aren't that bad. And one of the gifts that trouble brings to us is that it takes us to a point where we can no longer say, I don't see it. And it's not fun and it's not easy, but I believe it's part of the grace of our Father. Because given the opportunity, every one of us as human beings will chart a course, we'll make our way in this world, we'll play the game the way the rest of the culture plays the game that you and I are called to a different way of life. The Bible says we are not in this world to stay. It's not our home. We shouldn't be getting our marching orders from this world and what its siren call is saying. Goes And trouble is frequently the thing that causes me and causes you to recrunch crunch the numbers. And to ask the question, what is most important? What do I want? What am I willing to work for? Look, there is is a difference between things that are true and understanding your circumstances in light of truth. My struggle for a great part of my life was anger, feeling frustrated and upset and and crossed by circumstances of life, and feeling I deserved better and I wanted better. But here's the deal. Those close to me, they'd notice the ways that my spirit would erupt. And they'd say, like, why are you so angry? And I would say, I'm not angry. I'm frustrated. You ever played those word games in your head? I'm not angry, I'm frustrated. Because somehow, I don't even know how this happened. Somehow, in the life of this guy, his soul discovered that anger was a bad thing and you don't want to be known for your anger. But frustration? Everybody gets frustrated. That's no big deal. But hear me. It wasn't until I looked in the mirror and I said, I am an angry man. It wasn't until that point of acknowledging what was true in me that I was able to start taking steps to get free of it, to not be defined by it circumstantially. But you and I as human beings, pick your your struggle. We are enormously gifted at saying, what you see in me isn't actually true. Let me tell you what you see. There is a difference between something that is true and understanding it in the light of truth. And when you look at what is true in the context of struggles or difficulties, and you acknowledge it, as a follower of Jesus, we bring it to truth when we bring it to him. It's not truth until we've brought it to Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. As I start this, as I kind of go into this, I've got to tell you, I'm troubled by something. And I, and I don't have an answer for this. I'm troubled by this. So it's like we, you and I, we, have so many answers at our fingertips for every struggle that we encounter in life. You receive a diagnosis, you can read all about it. You can even participate in the selection of your treatment plan with your doctors, and you can read the side effects and the outcomes. If you are of to struggle with relationship. You can find an amazing amount of information about relationships and how to do better and how to avoid this and how to have that. And if you lose hope, you can find an, amount of, an amazing amount of information out there about Oh, this whole world of people who is looking for somebody just like you, right? We have so much. You got struggles with maintaining a vehicle, man. You can find any subject matter on YouTube. It's a tremendous resource to to find answers to your questions. And I, and I like it, but it creates a dilemma that is uh, always part of the human experience. And I, and I don't know how to name it, so I'll just name it really straightforwardly. Do you believe in supernatural experiences? Do you believe in supernatural encounters with God. You know, know, the kind where God breaks into our lives and does something that we could not have imagined. Folks, I wonder if in all of our understanding and all of the tools that we have, if we have not somehow thought that our job is to analyze and scrutinize and come up with a game plan and we believe somehow that that's how father works through our ingenuity I think it's particularly prevalent in our clan of belief I love the word of God we have a really high standard to hold the word of God high But when it comes to this, I don't think, I don't think we want to be the case study in the book that's being written about life and spirit. We believe it, but experientially for an awful lot of us, we're not sure about it. There's a difference between something being true and bringing that circumstance into truth. I'm a a strong proponent of not living in denial. If it's true, find the courage to name it and acknowledge it. But that's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story until you bring it to Jesus and you say, help me. The first principle is that, then. It's like there is a difference between things that are true and bringing things into the light of truth. But the second thing I want to say to you is just self-evident. When you bring it into the truth, you have to ask. That's not hard to figure out, is it? You have to ask Jesus for help. This is what this centurion did. And I love what the Gospels do. it it kind of takes away all of the loopholes for me because sometimes I have thought that God answers me when my life is good and orderly and faithful and if, if I want to hedge my bets when I come to Him with the ask, I want to be doing due diligence about the backstory of my life, I want things to be in order, I want my secret sins to be quiet for a while, I want to be able to come to Jesus with this kind of balance sheet that says, here's why I deserve your attention, and I'm amping up with possibilities that you are going to give me what I want in this situation. I know none of you is that crass. But man, in human beings, in the game of human beings, this is a lot of what we do. And what do we have here? We have a centurion. What do you know about this guy? Don't sanitize it. This centurion, who is he? He's a soldier, and it's not in an era where people are sitting thousands of miles away dispatching drones or pressing buttons to do warfare. He is a soldier for Rome, and the battles take place in geographic areas, and they don't have guns. They use swords, and they use short knives, and it's ugly. And this guy has excelled. He's excelled so much that Rome has put this guy in charge of 80 to 100 soldiers in the small town of Capernaum. Why? To keep these guys' battle ready. What kind of a man does it take to do that? A guy who's got blood on his hands. A guy who's not afraid to say to the the most difficult soldier, it's this way, not that way. Not only that, Rome has a reputation to maintain in the outlying areas. They're not wanting to create more problems for themselves by having soldiers. Have you ever heard of soldiers acting out when they're away from home? So this guy's not only got to train these guys to be ready for battle at any moment, he's also got to have the strength to discipline them so that behaviorally they're not an embarrassment to Rome or they're not creating more problems for Rome out in the provinces. This is who that guy is. And I think there's something here that the Spirit of Christ wants me to to think through, that this is not a religious game. This is not about me getting my life in order to such a point that finally God hears me. It's not about me putting the words in the right way. It's not about me laying down a path that looks like I'm worth His attention. I am a child of God. And I want to say this to you. Everybody that you know, everybody in your neighborhood, everybody at your place of work, everybody in your extended family, everybody that you have ever known, was created by God who takes His role as Father incredibly seriously. And they don't have to jump through hoops this way or that way to get His attention, and neither do you and neither do I. We have to just simply ask. And the problem is not with the Father. The problem is with us and getting us to the point We're willing to ask, like the centurion did. Look, there's a difference between circumstances that are true and bringing my circumstances into the light of truth. When I am aware of trouble in my life, I have an opportunity to ask Jesus. Third thing I would say, ask in faith. Did you? Did you hear the exchange here? I'll come and heal him, Jesus said. The centurion said, ah, that's not necessary. You don't have to come to my house. I, I get authority. I give commands and people respond. All you have to do is say the word. Wow. 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 Ask in faith. This is why that question matters to me in this age of information. Do you believe in a God who's supernatural? Personally. Who hears your prayers and what he offers makes a difference. If you don't believe that, then you feel the burden of making it happen, and you hope that Jesus gives you the right tools in your intellect and understanding to make it work out. But you know sleeplessness. Ask in faith. I want to be as clear as I can about this. This is not about magic. As a leader, frequently, I have people or groups of people asking me for help. And I've noticed something in my years that some people or some groups, when they ask for my help, I don't think they really want my help. I think what they want me to do is validate their eternal state as victims. I don't think they want help if the help means I've got to look in the mirror. I think they want me to strengthen the game that they're playing. They want things on their own terms. And so I've come to understand that there are kind of two groups of people, two kinds of people who ask me for help. One group, I'm sorry for, for that, I, that I can't come up with words that are a little bit more pleasant, but one group are parasites. They will take all of my energy and all of my emotions and all of my time and all of my prayer, but they don't have any inclination to do anything beyond that. I give them things to do. I give them corrections to apply. And they look at me, and they're very sincere, and they're very solemn, and they say, okay, yes, that's a great idea, I'll do that, and we get together, and nothing. Parasites want to take. And it's good to find some discernment that you don't fall into the ever-consuming path of parasites. But there's another kind of person that person is not a parasite. That person, or that group, better defined as protégés. They've seen something in me that is meaningful. And they've come because they want help with a capital H. And they've laid aside their agenda and they've said, I don't know what to do with this circumstance. If you'll help me, I'll do it. I'll figure this out. Let's, let's get after this. And, and the thing with prote- nobody's perfect in this. But when I give them something to do, they go back. And you know how we're all learning new ways of living? It's never easy. It's clumsy. And they go back, and they've got this idea of what they want to do. But they go to try to implement it and they come back and it's been a train wreck and they feel like failures and feel like, "I'm like, no, 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 no. That was awesome what you tried to do. Let's rethink. Let's talk about this again. If you were to do it again another time, how might you do it differently? And they're taking notes and their heart is in it and they want help. See, it's a world of difference between a parasite and a protege. And hear me, please hear me. When the Bible says, ask in faith, it's saying, come to father like a protege, not a parasite. And trouble is unusual in its ability to produce individuals who say, I don't know what more to do. I've played out my game. I don't know what more I can do. I need a perspective from outside of myself. And at that point, because of trouble, you and I are open like we've never been open before to come to God with that just simple, like the hymn says, nothing in my hands I bring, only to your cross I cling. What do people do without faith? That's why your story matters. And it kills me, it distresses me that we are not people who are moving into the culture with strength of story, with clear and compelling circumstances of encounters with God. And I'm not saying this to make us feel guilty. I'm saying this is God, isn't it? Isn't this the point of a connection with God, to know him? to come into the presence of this one who can do immeasurably more, Paul says, than everything I can ask or imagine? When I've played out my hand, am I not in a position to say, you show me, Father. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to live it. That's what it means to ask in faith. The writer James, you know, in James chapter 1, says, man, if you're asking without that openness, without that sense of, I just want to learn from you, Father, then you should know on the outset you're not going to receive anything from him. Nothing. Nada. Because he's not playing the game you're playing. And he's not trying to strengthen the game I'm playing. He's trying to help me lay down those long, embedded, instinctive patterns that I've handed down to me generationally, and that I've learned in this culture around me for a new way of living, the way that's laid out for me by Jesus. There are things that are true, (laughs) but that's not the end of the story. Bring things that are true into the light of the truth. Don't leave it at just wringing your hands over the difficulty. When you discover that you need help, ask Jesus and ask in confidence that he hears you. He hears you. And he's not stiff-arming you. And he's not asking you for do a better job of living as a human being before he will answer the need of your heart. He hears you and he's responding the work that you and I have to do as ask in faith and make sure we're not those people who are just trying to take from our Father in Heaven whatever He can give us to help us strengthen our game that we're unswervingly committed to in this world and in this culture. And then my final word this morning is just, it's, it's be wise in the way you use your words. Words are really powerful, you know? They're powerful in your life. Your words are powerful in your life. And your words have power in the lives of others. Like this, this centurion, he didn't just come to Jesus and say, man, I'm in a world of hurt here. This guy who has been a friend to me and has just like, been on my side all his life. He's not gonna, and it's not looking good for him. And I don't know what I'm going to do if he's like, oh, this is so hard. A lot of us end right there. I look at these times that we're living in, folks. I'm not sure, even in the 60s and 70s, if I've experienced a more polarizing time in our culture. And the world doesn't need your voice and doesn't me need my voice running around in circles, declaring loudly, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, what are we going to do? This is awful. My father doesn't think it's awful. He's not confused about what to do with it. He's not frustrated with any element of it. He does not know anxiety. Do you know that? I'm going to try to explain that feeling to him someday. (laughs) He doesn't know anxiety. Use your words wisely. Name the problem, but be intentional about saying this. I don't know how he is going to work this out in my life or in our lives, but I know he is at work. And like that, the preacher of another generation, Spurgeon said, man, I love this quote. It's been a North Star to me. Kind of like he's talking about Steve over there been a North Star to me. He, uh, he's a guy who struggled with trouble. I mean, Spurgeon was depressed most of his life, I mean, seriously depressed. Cried out for relief, cried out for help, and he, he said this at one point, though I cannot trace his hand, I can trust his heart. This is, this is a Spurgeon theologian saying, I don't know what the heck he's doing with all this, but I know this. He is good, and he is good to me, and I have asked, and he is working it out. And friends, trouble is a unique opportunity for you and I to find a life that is really the life. But denial is not going to help us get there. And making deals with God is not going to make us get there. we got to take the risk of naming what is true. For me, it was this. I am an angry man, and I need help. But when you're open, and when you ask, and you ask as a protege and not a, parasite my father hears and he responds and to me that is the most compelling definition of what it means to live as a man or a woman of faith i was reading uh, you know how the internet is you know you, you find these this unbelievable infinite rabbit trails you go down to and you get there and you go like how did i get here what's this oh, i don't know but it's interesting and i'll read it I came across a little town in southern Argentina called Ushuaia. Have you ever heard of Ushuaia, Argentina? I hadn't either. It's the last outpost of civilization as you head south. Once you leave Ushuaia, you're out in the wilderness of Antarctica, the desolate wilderness. There is nothing that, that is in between. And so the slogan of their town that they've come up with, these folks have embraced for their, for their city, is uh, Ushuaia. The end of the world, the beginning of everything. And as a man of faith, that spoke to me. This is, this is the way of Jesus. It's this countercultural, unexpected, unbelievable, I couldn't have seen this coming. I was hopeless, I didn't have answers, I didn't know how to overcome this. And now I look over my shoulder and I see the things that were so troubling. And I say, I don't know how you did it. Bless your name. And you know what it does? It gives me anchor points. Because troubles continue for me. That's hard for you to believe, right? (laughs) And the troubles seem like they get more difficult. And those anchor points are hugely important to me. My words matter. I call it the gospel according to Bruce. It's the story of God's tangible, experiential, unfolding grace in my life. And I'm careful to craft that narrative And to remind myself as much as I have to remind myself that any trouble I face in this life is not trouble for my father. It just means I don't know yet what he's going to do with it. And that's all I wanted to say to you this morning. (laughs) Let me pray. Father, I, I just really thank you for my sisters and brothers here for all of the people That we call acquaintances and friends and family across this community, across the globe. There is no human being who is not a child of Father, not a child of yours. You have created each one of us, and your word tells us that you take your role as Father extremely seriously. So, Father, I I pray that you would give us understanding and courage to face the things that are hard, to bring those things into the miraculous light of truth, the supernatural realm, where things happen that are without explanation. That as we ask, we might ask in faith so that our story can be strengthened. Because there's a lot of sons and daughters of God who are looking for hope right now. Who want to find a life that is not marked by anxiety and fear and distress. Help us to be that life to the people that you've given us the grace of relationship with. But do that work here first, Father. Just to hearts that are open. Reveal yourself as a father who is enough. in the very real circumstances of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.